SV Pod is presented by DraftKings. DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at over $1 million in prizes. Download the DraftKings app and enter code SVP at sign up. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. How are you? I'm Scott Van Pelt. Welcome to SV Pod. Your boy Stanford Steve packing up the house. He's getting ready to move. We're heading down to D.C. this summer. We will be back in the fall hoping that there are sports. I'm not optimistic. I stopped reading, as you know, they're just words, but my God, these numbers every day. Yikes. Wear masks. It's not, you're not weak if you wear a mask. Wear a mask. It's just, could you wear a mask? Could you not go to city council and yell at people because they're asking you to wear a mask? Is that, is it, is it that difficult? Anyway, Stanford Steve's packing up. He's heading south before me. He's going to beat me to Maryland, which that's fine. Because, again, my friends like him more than they like me. I don't blame him. He's he's more likable than I am. But it's just me this week. And as you know, we we do the silly and the the fun plenty. I enjoy that like everybody does. But every now and then, I, uh, I, I don't mind rolling up the sleeves and getting serious about something. And there's a story from last week about a guy named Chris Kirk who won a golf tournament. Now, he won a golf tournament on the... Corn Ferry Tour. And if you're like, what the hell is the Corn Ferry Tour? Well, it used to be the Hogan Tour. Then it was the Nike Tour. Then it was the Nationwide Tour. Then it was Web.com Tour. It might have been something else. I don't know if I'm remembering them all. Anyway, now it's the Corn Ferry Tour. It's a, a, a level below the PGA Tour, AAA, if you will. And it is loaded with young, talented players who shoot nothing. Okay? And by nothing, I mean that means they shoot a lot of low scores. If you want to win out there, you got to go low. Well, Chris Kirk did, and he won. So so what, perhaps you're saying? Well, Chris Kirk's the former top 20 player in the world on the World Golf Ranking, a four-time winner on the PGA Tour, who took a sabbatical. He took over a year away to battle alcoholism and depression, and he came back this year, missed a bunch of cuts, didn't get into Harbortown last week down there at Hilton Head. And so he decided to go play this Corn Ferry Tour event. And he won. And I thought, you know, I am familiar with addiction. I've talked plenty about it through the years on radio and here. Lost my father to alcoholism. I have a family member who's in recovery. So I am very familiar with it. And when I see someone who is battling, fighting the good fight, winning that fight, and getting back to what he does professionally and achieving in the midst of all that, well, that's something I want to celebrate. And so if you're not familiar with Chris Kirk, that's okay, because I am positive. If you hear my voice right now, whether it's one degree away from you, two degrees, whatever, if you you think of your fist, your fist is your family, somebody in that fist, one of those fingers, is dealing with something. Might be you. And... It takes courage to ask for help, and it takes support to get through things. And I just encourage you, if you're in the struggle, to listen. And if you're not, listen, because it's a it's a story worth hearing, regardless of your relationship and familiarity with the idea of addiction. Here's our conversation with Chris Kirk. I don't know for sure where we're going to go because, as I told you, um, as we were trying to set this up, a lot of this stuff's kind of personal to me, so I'm going to apologize in advance for getting super personal with a guy I don't know. So I hope that's okay. 
That's perfectly fine. I'm an open book. You win last week on the Corn Ferry Tour. And the way I would describe the Corn Ferry Tour is a bunch of guys in their 20s, mostly, who hit the ball eight miles, shoot 100 under par, and are absolutely fearless. Is that, is that about the way you kind of see the guys out there? That's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, I for people that, that are not really in the golf world, I usually make the comparison to AAA baseball. You know, guys that are on the verge of, of breaking out and really getting going with their tour careers. Uh, but yeah, mostly, mostly, you know, early, early to mid twenties guys. I was, I was definitely the old dude out there last week. And you typically need to shoot a bunch under and you did to win as you're out there. I don't, I didn't look at the field, but I bet money. You're the only guy that's got four PGA tour wins out there last week. And, and so you've got that frame of reference but as you're coming back from what you're coming back from, and you've been away to work on you, in the midst of all of that, where's your mind? Put me on the golf course as you're trying to win a tournament. You got you're trying to go low, this and that. Like, and you've been away competitively. Like, where's your brain? I think that you know, once we got coming down the stretch and trying to kind of see what I needed to do to win the golf tournament, um, it was back to back to business mostly. Um, but I think that I. I think that I did a better job there, especially those last few holes, um, just because of the, the clarity that I kind of have in my mind now. I'm just much more self-aware and much more into the moment now. And we can, we can get into that more later as it, as it relates to, to all the, the different troubles that I've had in my life, anxiety and, and alcoholism over the past few years. But I have I have so much of a better sense of that, you know, now is all we have, you know, and uh, that I think that reflects into my life every day and every moment. So I felt like I was more aware of how I was feeling, uh, aware of my nerves and how that might affect me, aware of the situation and just really embracing that instead of you know, where I, before I may have been really anxious and worried about the outcome. Um, I just really was, was enjoying being there and, uh, it was nice. Right on. How, how much Chris is also, or maybe not, I, I shouldn't assume, but I'm curious how much is, if I don't win, if I miss this putt, I'm not married to the outcome. Like I, it's not defining me. How much How much of letting go of maybe that, which I think so much on tour can be that? That's huge, yeah. And um, I've, I've talked a decent amount about that lately, how, just how easy it is um, for all tour players to fall into that trap because, you you know, you're, you're judged by the public and by the world based on a number at the end of the day. And nobody knows how you slept that the night before. Nobody knows if you had a stomach bug. Nobody knows any of that, and they don't care. And that's that's fine. That's the world of professional sports. Um, but it can become very easy to start judging yourself based on that number as well. And uh, your, your sort of self-worth and your value as a person is that is completely irrelevant of, of what that number is, but it's very, very hard to, to see that, um, especially the longer you do it, I think. And so, yeah, this, all of my experience over the last few years 
has given me an incredible perspective on that where like you said i'm i'm not married to that i'm not attached to that i am you know i'm chris kirk the person husband father all that that stuff and yes i happen to play golf for a living and i happen to love playing and competing but at the end of the day i'm not going to judge myself based on whether i birdied that last hole or not you got to as high as 16th in the world golf ranking Playing on a President's Cup team, which for those who are listening that don't necessarily understand international competition, that means you're one of the 12 biggest and best, I should say, players on the United States side, international competition. That's a big-time thing. Win four different events on the PGA Tour. So, you you know, you got to that place. I think people look at the tour and think, man, that would be a lot of fun. And I, I bet it probably is. If, if you're high on the money list and it's all private planes and life's really, really cake and ice cream, but there's so many people grinding, and it's so difficult. I always, I always look at golf this way, Chris, that there, there must be several thousand people capable of shooting 67 on a given day. And there's probably mm-hmm. half of that that could do it for two, divided in half again that could do it for three, and then divided in half again that could do it for four days. And that's, that's how you – kind of can get to certain levels of the, of tour life. But after you reached that point, you went through a lot. And I read an article that Helen Ross wrote that speaks to being in New Orleans on April the 29th of 2019. If, if you can mm-hmm. take me to that day, you open your eyes on that day, and where are you in this world at that point? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll I'll go back a little bit before that to kind of oh, yeah, set up how that day happened. So yeah, April April twenty ninth, two thousand nineteen is is uh, my sobriety date. Um, but it was around November or so of two thousand eighteen when I first kind of ad- admitted to myself, and uh, or may- maybe I had admitted somewhat to myself before that. But when I got together with my some friends, close friends, family, uh, kind of my support group on tour, and just said, "Hey, I'm having a problem with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop drinking. I, uh, you know, this is just something I want want y'all to know because I, we spend a lot of time together. That this is has been an issue for me, and I would appreciate your support going forward. So that's that's November 2018 or so, and um, over the next. Uh, six months or so, I uh, relapsed three or four times, I think. And um, it was always, you know, in between, I'd had, uh, I I think my anxiety is kind of what took me from a a social drinker to to having a, a real problem with it. And so once I took that, once I took that away, you know, my medicine, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. My anxiety was at an all-time high, you know, going from, and the way, the way I would describe it is I would, I would take a, a thought that would, would worry me. And we, uh, everybody has them, you know, where whatever, if I didn't play well one day or what, whatever it may be. And so I would start with a, with a very rational, normal thought. And I would take that to some to somewhere else, and then I would take that somewhere else, and take that somewhere else, and take that to somewhere else. And by the end of it, um, you know, I thought that, geez, I I need to sell my house, and I need to quit, and I need to do something else. I I just can't. I'm not good at this anymore. I'm a complete failure. 
all this stuff. And that, that end of the chain thought was just as real as the first one to me. And, uh, and I couldn't really, I lost the ability to, to differentiate what was realistic and what wasn't. And so without having my way of sort of numbing myself at the end of every day, now those those thoughts are really just consuming me. And so I would I would make it three or four weeks and then would just kind of go off off the handle. And uh so after doing that uh a few times, I was just kind of struggling through it and, and not making a whole lot of progress. So then uh that that uh night in New Orleans happened and was you know, I'd had obviously had some wake up calls and and realized that I didn't have a whole lot of control over this. But being the type of person I am, I, I definitely am. A, it would, in any situation, my instant reaction is I've got this. You know, I'm someone who's feel like I've accomplished a lot and I feel like I've done it on on my own merit. And so, any situation that I'm faced with, that's my immediate reaction. I got this. I can handle this. And so I'm I'm in I'm in New Orleans, Sepp Straka, a really close friend of mine, and I were playing the um the Zerk there and uh two man team event. Mm-hmm. Rain delay, we finish on we finished the second round on Saturday and we missed the cut. So I'm staying in town because I have a photo shoot uh for my clothing company task is based in, in New Orleans on Monday morning early. And so Saturday we get done and I'm like, Okay, all right, Chris, this is a this is red flag situation you've got to be careful here really be on your on your game make sure you don't have any slip-ups or anything so saturday night's all good i just you know have dinner with a friend and and relax and and uh don't have anything to drink and sunday night i'm uh in my hotel room i think i ordered room service and was just kind of taking it easy like all right you know i've got to get up early tomorrow morning let's just lay low and, and relax and so i uh I'm getting ready to go to bed at, you know, nine o'clock or something. Cause I've got to get up early the next day. And I'm just kind of anxious about having to get up early and I knew I'm not going to sleep very good. And so, so I'm like, all right. So I go to the, the mini bar, which was probably in hindsight, probably don't stay in hotels with mini bars. But anyways, I go and I'm, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have one of these little things of, of whiskey and go to bed. It'll still help me sleep. And this is to to give people an idea of of where you get where you lose you lose the power of, of choice if you if, if if before i had that drink if you hook me up to a, a lie detector test and you say chris are you going to only have this one drink and go to bed i would have said yes i would have passed the lie detector test no problem you convinced yourself of that yes yes i was sure i was sure of it and um flash forward to a, a few hours later i i wake up and it's about three or three thirty in the morning, and the lights are still on in my hotel room. I'm still fully dressed. Thankfully, I haven't gone anywhere, but the mini bar is empty. Twenty plus drinks later, and I wake up and I don't. And I'm just like, what? What just happened? Basically, another kind of sign of of where I was at at that time. I turn off the lights. I go sleep for a couple more hours. I get up, take a shower, go do the photo shoot. Felt fine. Nobody would have ever known any different, which is obviously not normal. And so I go after after that. You know that was like a all right. You have 
you know, you thought that you were somewhat in control of this, maybe, um, but that was obviously the uh, one of many wake-up calls, but one where it was like, all right, I truly did not want to do that. My conscious mind, anyways, did not want to do that. So I was like, all right, and not only do I not have great control over this, I have zero control over this. And I have got to stop my you've got this attitude because you don't got this. And uh, so I got home and, and uh, talked to my wife and, and was basically just like, you know, if, I've, if I'm going to have any chance of, of getting better, of, of salvaging my relationship with, with her, with my family, with, or, you know, forget about my golf career. That's, that doesn't matter. But I've just got to stop everything because if I, can't, if I can't figure this out, then I can't have anything else. Uh, nothing else is going to work. I'm not can't function, and so that was uh, that was the turning point for me. Um, and I, you know, didn't play golf for I didn't touch a club for about three and a half months, and I worked on myself. Um, I found I found the people that I needed to find here in Athens, um, a support group, twelve step program, all that, and um, it's been really life-changing uh it's a combination of ther- you know seeing a seeing a therapist and and support group stuff and and all that and it just really opened my eyes and and helped me see where where i where i had gone wrong and what i needed to do to get back going in the right direction and really just help me understand what what this all was and take away a lot of the the shame that I was feeling when you say shame, like it is, is in, in the anxiety, do you, do you, have you, and this is where it gets personal. And if it's not my business, then please. But I mean, is it, is it anxiety based? Is it the idea that these numbers that go next to your name, whether it's world ranking or score or on a Sunday where you are on that leaderboard and then the size of the check, like is how much, how much Chris, do you find that, 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 that was stemming from, from focusing on that a lot, a little, what? Um, I think it was a combination of a, a lot of things that that included, um, you know, the uh, I was I, I hated the amount of time that I was spending away from my family. That really wore on me. I got to the point where I just didn't I just didn't really I didn't really like playing that much. We're in the in the headspace that I was in. I, did, I hated it whenever I got in a situation where I was nervous. It just became the pressure of trying to to maintain the the status as a player that I was. It just all kind of became too much for me, and it didn't didn't happen overnight. None of this happens overnight, but it just all that anxiety kind of started to build, and it just you know eventually it got where it was it was too much and I wasn't, and I wasn't handling it the right way. I was just making it worse. How do you handle um, that? Uh, I handle it a lot of different ways now. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I've had such a 180 shift in my mentality and life in, in general that, you know, the whole process of, you know, like I said, not, not defining myself by my career or, or by any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. is a huge help and just I'm able to now that I'm that I'm sober and have have this program that I'm working on 
I can see, I can see what's real and what's not real where I had, I had completely lost that sense. So now if I, you know, if I have a, a thought or whatever that, that worries me, that's all it is. And it stops there. I don't have to, I don't have to let it keep going and, and building. I, I have checks in place where I can, I can sort of cut it off before it goes on to different things. And that's with sort of constant communication with, with other people that are in my situation um, that I stay in, in touch with, whether I'm at home or on the road, uh, prayer and meditation and, you know, a, a lot of things. And uh, I've, my whole system of, of traveling is different. I don't stay alone anymore. Um, there's just a lot, there's a lot of things that have gotten me into a, a much better place. And, but then at the same time, I also know that, okay, you can't, I can't let the, the thought come back that I've got this, you know, am I in a million times better place than I was a few years ago? Of course I am, but you, you have to, I have to stay diligent and I have to continue to work my program and, and stay on, on what all these things that I'm doing, you know, I'm doing so much better for a reason. It didn't just happen. But. I'm real familiar. I'm sorry to interrupt you for, with, with just with the language yeah. of recovery and the idea of, of working, uh, you know, there's a saying in recovery, you know, work your program. It, it works if you work it. And uh, I have an aunt who's in, rec- in recovery more than 30 years and goes to meetings every day and it's work for her. And each, as I understand it, the, the, it's, it's different for each person. And there's an idea of surrendering to a higher power and understanding things you can't control, things of that nature. How much, Chris, for you was surrendering to the idea of being a better dad to your boys, a better husband to your wife, and recognizing that you couldn't be that if you were kind of a slave, for lack of a better word, to the, the bottle or to the anxiety? I mean, how, how much were they the driving force for you? That was huge. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, the people in, in recovery would classify me as someone who had a high bottom. You know, everybody has their bottom that, that they, you know, have to get to, to, to be desperate enough to want to come out of it. And well, can I interrupt for a second? The, the, the thing is, sure. as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking how grateful I'd be that my rock bottom wasn't like, I think we've all look, I mean, I, I'm not make, making light of it, but I've woken up foggy in new Orleans, man. Like we, I, <laughs> I think we've all had some episodes in that town where you think you wake oh, yeah. up and you, you know, and, and I've actually told a goofy story about waking up after a, a night with a mini bar where I ate all the cashews and I didn't have enough money to pay for them. Cause I was basically broke. <laughs> and I tried to stuff it full of like, Toilet paper and the, the the people that that checked the mini bar left a post-it note that said "nice try." I got caught eating the cashews out of the mini bar. But what I'm getting yeah. at is that you're you seem to have like an epiphany without having to you know crash a car or or hurt yourself completely. Or yeah, without having to completely burn my life to the ground. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of that goes back to you know my my family uh, my parental structure and and with my brother growing up with my brothers and all that was was so great and so important to me i just i got to the point where i saw that slipping away and i was not willing to let that happen so yes they are you know obviously everybody you have to do this for you but but yeah that was 
that was everything for me. I didn't, I didn't care if I never got to play on the PGA tour again, if I never got to do a lot of things again, but I was not willing to, I was not willing to lose that. And so that was the, that was kind of the last straw for me as I, as I saw that getting closer to being a reality, it was like, okay, this is, this is it. If you don't, if you don't turn this around now, then who knows where your, your bottom will be. There's a great picture that I was looking at, just just you know surfing around of you walking with your your boys in the caddy whites at Augusta that fun par three contest Wednesday. Your boys are mm-hmm. how old now? Like eight and six, and like what are the ages? Eight, six, yeah, eight, six, and uh, my youngest is almost three. Okay, and so they've had dad around for you know better part of a good chunk of a year as as you're not doing this, you're not doing that thing mm-hmm. that you know defined you and and where you had this remarkable accomplishment and whatever else. And now I was reading, you know, about coaching baseball and one of your boys asked like, could, mm-hmm. could you get paid enough to do that to not have to go play? the <laughs> how, how do you weigh now, Chris? Like, not, not that it's selfish, but this is what their dad does. Like, this is what I do. This is what I, I do. This, this, I play golf. Like, how do you now devote yourself in a way to the craft that can allow you to, to do that? And, and not have to surrender any of what you kind of invested in being at home and being the husband and dad you want to be. Yeah, it's uh, obviously finding balance, um, which is not easy, not easy to do, um, even how, with how much better I am now. Uh, that's still a challenge. It's a challenge for every professional athlete to try to find that right balance. And, um, you know, it's uh, – and obviously just being very – transparent and open with with my wife and my kids you know keeping that constant line of communication open um and my you know my oldest son both but my two oldest sons especially my oldest son are are old enough now where they can they can understand it when i tell them say you know yeah obviously i want to spend as much time with, with you guys but this is this is my job not only my job but this is what i really love to do and so it has to it has to be both you know, do you love it for, again? Happy, I, I do. Yeah, I do. I love, I I love just going to play. You know, I'm I'm gonna go play um, early tomorrow morning with with a few friends, and I'm excited to go to go play. It's just gonna be gonna be fun, and uh, the joy of playing golf has has come back for sure, and the the joy of competing as well. Um, it's something that I've loved to do for a long time, and while I definitely lost sight of that. For a while uh, now that I that I have a little bit more of a, a clear mind, um, it is definitely back. And uh, you talked a little bit about the you know kind of embracing the the uncertainty of of life, and that's that's definitely been a huge piece for me. You know, just trying to kind of live live life every day by the Trinity prayer. You know. Uh, grant me the courage to, to accept the things I cannot change, the, or the uh, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and and the wisdom to know the difference. And you know that's not always easy, but I've I've gotten to the point where instead of being so anxious about what's going to happen and trying to control every every little thing, um, I love the fact that we don't know what's going to happen. I used to be what what worried me the most, 
the fear of the future and the fear of what was going to happen next, the fear of losing my job, the fear of all these things. And, and now it's like, you know, uh, I have no idea how I'm going to play next week and it doesn't matter. I have no idea what's going to happen next year. I have no idea if I'll be on the PGA tour next year or not, but that's all right. You know, if I, whatever, I think, I think now, I mean, I could go get a job at home Depot and be selling some plants and lumber and that'd be all right. You know, it's, uh, uh, I I love that that I've gotten to that point where uh, it's a that's another uh, definitely a, a 180 going from really fear and anxiety of of what's going to happen to I mean how awesome is it that we have no clue what life is going to bring us You're not married to the result and, and you've you've let go a lot of a lot of that and yet you do play in a sport where there's a number next to your name and it, at the end of last week on Sunday you were low man. And I get that you'd you'd be just as happy if you didn't win, but you did. And the question that our business we're never supposed to ask, I'm about to ask: How did that <laughs> feel? How did that feel in that moment to to win again? It was, uh, you know, I, I definitely felt very very proud of the the journey that I've been on. Um, you know, it was it was exciting to. And I think it made it, it made it even better to to be back there in the fairway, knowing that I that I needed to birdie the last hole, and being able to be calm enough and be collected enough to to produce. And uh, you know that's that is an amazing feeling, and you know, mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate to be able to feel that a number of times and feel the other side of it too. Um, but to be, you know, it's it's like nothing else in life to to come through when you feel really really nervous like that. I'm not saying it's better than a lot of other things in life, but it's just different, and it's uh, it is an amazing feeling to be able to handle your nerves and and to be able to come through when you know you need to. What do you remember feeling standing over the shot or thinking? You talk about clarity. Like, did you have it in that in that moment? I felt like I did. Um, you that's know, awesome. God, that's going awesome. through the, I goose, like I got goosebumps. If I had hair to be standing up right now, <laughs> that's so cool. You know what I mean? Like that's just in, in that moment, right? Where the, the moment that where everything could come crashing down. And then instead of that, it's like absolute peace and calm. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would go quite so far as peace and calm, <laughs> but um, clarity, I'll say, I will say clarity. And it was different. It was different than, than in years past um, because, I think some of that, you know, whenever I've, whenever I've done well in the past, um, I, I definitely felt like, uh, uh, probably a false sense of, of I've got this. Whereas, you know, this time I had a good buddy, a good buddy of mine that, that I play golf with a lot that plays mini tours, um, was caddying for me last week. And I hit, hit a good tee shot on 18 and, and I said, told him, I said, Hey, grab, grab two extra waters I drink because that's one one of my like nervous habits I drink like a ton of water when I when I get nervous and so I'm like grab grab a couple extra waters uh, I always drink a ton when I'm nervous and that's something I never would have would have said out loud before mm-hmm. um, and he just kind of laughed said okay and he was like this is and we're walking off t-bikes he's like this is awesome isn't it 
I'm like, yeah, this is this is cool. He's like, this is why this is why we do this, why we play, you know. And uh, to have that conversation, and then you know, getting up, I hit a pretty good second shot up just right of the green. So uh, not a great lie in the rough, and uh, needed to get the ball up and down to to win. And and uh, just talking to him, whereas uh, typically I have never really relied on on caddies much, and but was kind of talking through the shot with my buddy, just like we were we were at home and like, you know, you think if I, if I kind of turn down a pitching wedge here and land it right there, that it should release, release the hole. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. And just being, instead of just internalizing everything and putting it all on myself, just the whole thing, it, it kind of parallels with, with everything that I'm doing in my life right now, just putting it out there in the open and, and being being vulnerable, you know, admitting that I'm walking off the 18th tee the last day that I'm nervous, you know, just be it's okay, and that that gives me such a sense of of calm and and peace is just it's okay for me to be vulnerable no matter what the situation is, and uh, that that definitely calmed me down and and was able to hit hit some good shots and and uh, thankfully hit a really nice tip there and only had about a you know, two and a half footer uphill right center. That's uh, what dreams are made of there. I mean, obviously I would have preferred, I would have preferred one and a half feet or six inches or so, but, um, <laughs> you know, most, most of us are pretty good from two and a half feet uphill right center. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible feeling. And to tell your boys like, like daddy one, I mean, I, when you leave to go to work, like my kids I, and I got married late, so I got little kids. Actually, my kids are not, but basically you're, ages of your kids and when I go to work like they it bums them out you know but I this is what I get to do like that's my, that's my lesson to my kids I don't have to go to work I get to go to work daddy gets to do this fun thing you know that's kind of how I sell them on it but I don't get to tell them daddy won um when, <laughs> when daddy won for for three little boys what what's what's that represent to them they were pumped you know um <laughs> it's bet. funny cuz I have um in my uh my barn here at our place i've got a a room that uh has you know synthetic turf with putting green i've got a bunch of golf clubs in there and uh and trophies and stuff you know trophies from from college trophies from uh my years on the corn ferry tour before i got on the pga tour pga tour trophies all this stuff and so they see all these these things but they don't you know it's been five years since i've won a won a golf tournament of of any real notoriety. And so they, they don't remember any of it, none of them. And so, you know, I can show them pictures and that kind of stuff when they were little and me, me winning tournaments and everything, but they, they have no memory of, of any of that at all. No. And so they, for them, for me to bring home a trophy was, was incredible, you know, and even it's funny, I played, uh, earlier this spring, uh, I thought that I was going to get into the, uh, Bay Hill tournament and then didn't. And so, I was down there in Florida and, and, uh, the weather was good, good down there and not great in Florida and, uh, in Georgia. And so I, I found this little tournament. I played a, the Florida professional golf tour in, uh, DeLand, Florida, two day event. I went and played and I shot 15 under for two days and won the tournament. Uh, no trophy, but I got one of those big happy Gilmore checks, $2,200. Hell yeah. I won. And my kids thought that that was the coolest thing that they had ever seen, this gigantic check. 
But can I say one Thank thing? Can I say much. one thing, Chris? You know how much that sucks for those guys in Deland, Florida, that some guy that's a four-time tour? Like, if I looked over and saw you, be like, you son of a – I'm out here grinding for 2200 and this guy, this tour swinger shows up? You know how bad that must have been for them? Come on. Uh, I, had mixed, I had mixed feelings about that. Um, and I, I was talking to some of the other guys, and – and uh, I had a few people that I knew that were playing and talking to people running the tour. And, and uh, I was like, do you think, do you think people are mad that I'm here? Like, do you think they hate that I'm here? And, and the kind of answers that I got were like, uh, some of them, yes. Uh, you know, the guys that are, that are really motivated and believe that they're going to make it and play on the PGA tour, they're excited that you're here. Um, but three quarters of the guys probably are saying exactly what you just said. And so I came to the realization that, you know what, these guys are going to have to, if they're going to, if this is really what they want to do, they're going to have to play against me sometime. So it might as well be here in, in the land. That's, that's just what I was going to say. Cause that's a fact. Like, I mean, and I was kidding. I was kidding, but the truth of the matter is, it's not <laughs> just, but it's just like I was saying before, there's a bunch of guys that can shoot a low number for a day. But if you want to make it on tour, it's so damn hard. I don't think people grasp how difficult it is and how good the level is on the Corn Ferry Tour where you won last week. So you were there because mm-hmm. you didn't get in at um, at uh, Harbor Town. So your your schedule moving forward, and I say that with like after all these positive tests at, in Hartford, it's like oh my god, please can we just keep playing? But assuming we go forward, do you, do you have a schedule mapped out for the mm-hmm. next month here or what? I do. Um, I'm home this week, obviously, and then I'll be playing the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit next week and the Workday event at Muirfield after that. And then I will, uh, I'll take a week off, uh, following that. So I, my, um, my starts that I have in my medical extension will carry me through pretty much the end of this calendar year. And then I'll, I'll be able to kind of reassess where I'm at then. You know, hopefully I will have played well enough to regain full Full tour status, um, but if not, I'll play kind of a mixed schedule of some some PJ tour events and and mostly Corn Ferry tour events next year, and and uh, try to regain my my status that way. But I, you know, with that being my my worst case scenario, that's still still pretty good, and and just got even better last week with having a you know if I'm playing Corn Ferry tour stuff next year, uh, my my win last week will count towards that ultimate money list. So. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, but I'm not really worried about where I where I play. You know, obviously I've played some some mini tour events. I played another mini tour event a few weeks ago on the Swing Thought Tour in Knoxville, and, and it's just like you said, the the joy of of playing golf and competing and trying to beat the other guys. I mean, that's 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 what I care about now. I don't care what the venue is. You know, just let me get out there and and I want to have fun and and play and try to make some birdies. Right on. And that's just the job part. Uh, the most important thing is working that program and, and people, uh, if they don't, if they aren't familiar, I can't blame them for not getting it. But I mean, the, the, truly the idea is all we have is this day. And my grandma used to say, today's a gift. What do you, what do you prepare to do with it? You know? And, um, I just, I lost my dad to this. You know, I lost my dad to alcoholism mm-hmm. and he couldn't ask for help. And I'm older now than he ever was. And, and that messes with me, you know? It's so strange. Uh, it's so strange, Chris, because I'm a dad, you know? And, and I worry about I'm not going to be around probably for stuff because I'm older. 
Um, and I'm just, I'm trying my best in the time that I have to be the best dad I can be and try and leave them with something. Like, I don't mean morbid stuff, like leave them. I'm, I'm just, just give them lessons that, that, are gonna, that they can hang on to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I just, as I hear you talk and, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful that you, that you had the strength to do the thing that's the hardest and that's to ask for help. And, and if there's any way to describe like how you knew in your soul, and your heart, your brain, like that—that's that what you had to do. Is that ex- even explainable? Like how you knew you had to do that? Well, um, I, the main feelings that I remember from that time was that it—it it, it felt like a last resort to me at the time. Um, and you know, I see—I see it differently now, but it. At the time, it felt like an an act of desperation and a last resort of just trying not to completely destroy everything that I had worked so hard for for so many years. Um, so that's that's the main thoughts that I have from that time. And so it was it kind of bothered me at first when I, when I first made my announcement that I was, that I was taking a leave and we kind of went public with it. You know, I got all these, these messages of, oh, you're so courageous. You're so strong. And it, it, it kind of bothered me at the time. I was like, this is not, this is not strength. This is a, this is pure desperation here. And, um, so now being on the other other end of it. I mean, I, I still don't, I still don't feel like at the time it was a, it was an act of strength or courage, but, um, it is cool to me now to see how my, my platform can affect other people. And that's, you know, if I'm being honest, that's, that's still not, not why I do it. That's not why I'm so, so open about it. Um, I'm open and and honest about it because it feels good to be and it it helps me in my recovery to to be an open book you know i've spent a lot of time spent a lot of time lying to to the people that i really cared about lying to to myself more than anything you know it was in just constant denial of of all sorts of things and you know that was that was quite a burden to to carry around every day, to be hiding things, to be ashamed of yourself, to be lying to your, to your wife, uh, about various things. And, you know, now that I've, that I've kind of gotten this sort of sense of, of clarity, I mean, it feels, it feels amazing just to, to have nothing to hide. And so that's, that's why I'm so, so open about it because why would I not be, you know, I've, I'm, I am who I am and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of, of any of this. I don't think the, the fact that I'm an alcoholic doesn't make me a bad person. I don't judge myself for it. If anything, I'm thankful for it because look, look where it's taken me to now. You know, my, my life and my mental health are better now than they, than they maybe ever have been in my adult life. So that's, that's what it's all about for me at this point. Amen to that brother. And I would just close with this thought. It just, if you ever find yourself sitting someplace thinking you want to go open up the mini bar and grab that one little bottle to go to sleep, 
you got your wife and your kids and a million people that care about you to think of first, but now you got my number too. And I appreciate call, it, man. call me. Okay. Call me, <laughs> text me and I'll, and, and we'll find another way to, to get you some rest. Um, cause it is a daily thing. And I, and I encourage you to continue to work that program. It works if you work it, as they say. And, uh, I just appreciate you sharing your story because I know that there are people that are listening that are in that place where they don't have the strength or the courage or the, or whatever it is to open that book and surrender and say, I don't have this. And so, um, you know, I just, it's, it's heavy because I, I lost, I lost my guy because he couldn't do it. And you, you did. And, and I just, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, I know you won't be tied to those results, but I'll be looking, I'll be following you to see what kind of <laughs> you shoot and I'll be cheering you on. But more importantly, I'll be cheering on your sobriety and just feeling as great as you feel about stuff, man. Um, uh, I'm terrible at goodbye. I appreciate it. I just, Thank you, sir. Yes. I, I, I'm awful at saying goodbye, but it was just important to, to get some of that stuff out. And you got a lot of people that have your back now that, uh, that you probably don't even know about. So keep doing your thing and, and keep living each day um, for what it is. Thank you very much, Scott. Life's good. I appreciate you having me.